This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. And this point in most weeks, we welcome into the studio Bob Metz and Jess Schlemmer for our weekly political roundtable, left, right, and center. Good morning, guys. Good morning, morning, Jim. Nice to have you here. Uh, we are in the midst of a national election campaign here in this country, which is by now is probably no surprise to anybody. I think even the the, the dullards <coughs> among us must have realized something is going, something's going on. But I want to take the focus off Canada and move south of the border. And I, I don't want to. I'm not asking you guys as experts on the political, on the American political scene. More Thank as, goodness. More as Canadian observers of the American political scene, because what we see down there has been very interesting over the last few months. You've had. George Bush defending a position that initially had the support of most of the Amer not most of but a, a majority of the of the American people that support is waning at a time when it is probably most needed and he has to deal with that reality too he's been bushwhacked by his own men in uh, the Abu Ghraib uh, prison scandal um Cy Hirsch wrote an interesting article in the New Yorker I don't know if you saw that but ab about how that came to be suggesting that this was a sanctioned program uh, that had some specific goals in Afghanistan, but was sort of imported into Iraq and the controls slipped off and it went sideways. So you can make the case that, that Bush was betrayed by, uh, not necessarily the soldiers in the prison, but certainly betrayed by some of his key advisors, advisors, not his personal guys, but some of their advisors and let this thing get off the rails. So now we have the picture of, uh, Republican president uh, whose popularity is dropping, but a Democratic candidate whose popularity does not seem to be benefiting to the same extent. It's not as though Kerry is suddenly becoming the golden boy of the American people. There's an awful lot of questions being asked there. And Bob, I'd, I'd start with you that traditionally, Jeff alluded to this earlier, traditionally in a year, if the economy is in decline, and and the sign of that usually is that the stock market is shrinking and energy prices are growing. Traditionally, presidents look for new work at the end of that, uh, if that's the last year of their term. Um, but there's a new dynamic here, and it is the the so-called war against terror. Big story this morning that uh, there seems to be tremendous evidence. I forget the wording they use, but unprecedented evidence that there's going to be some kind of a strike within the United States in the near future, unless they catch the guys. We don't know whether that's politicking or not, but this oh, it's is inevitable. This is yeah, this is an unprecedented. We know level what the plans of, of the enemy are. Yeah, you don't have, and you can go back into magazines that were printed before uh, 9/11 and see excellent predictions of exactly what was to happen mm -hmm. even in the timelines that it happened so if something like that does happen how do you see that changing the dynamic in the united states if if something like an, another attack on if the there's US, a if there's a dirty bomb goes off in chicago that interesting example? i've been thinking a lot about that lately and i think all the gloves will be off mm -hmm. um this this very limited highly moralistic war that the u.s has waged so far will not become that limited anymore um I I'm, have to recall the words of John Thompson of the McKenzie Institute, who, you, who you've interviewed mm -hmm. a few times. And uh, he spoke for a function for us once, and he pointed out, he said, you know, Americans love peace, but when war comes, they're really good at destroying things, mm -hmm. and they can do it, you know, if they put their mind to do it. Um, they get into trouble when they when they decide to lead a limited war, because that, that sort of already compromises your objectives. Mm -hmm. And they try to do that to win... You know, the appeasement of the other side to look like good guys. And that's the problem with America. America is judged by American standards. Every other country in the world is judged by no standard at all or by socialist communist standards. And 
therefore, America stands alone as even being a country that can be criticized for its actions. When the Soviet Union, you know, only killed, killed uh, you know, 50,000 people one year rather than a million year like they did the year before, everyone applauded this as great progress. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, if that had happened in the U.S., that would have been the greatest moral outrage of humankind. Um, so that's the situation in the world today. I think uh, the war on terrorism is not so much... It, I hate that term because terrorism is with us every day of every, ever since Aristotle and mm -hmm. and Plato. I mean, there's always some nut, wing nuts running around who want to take over the world. The real problem today is in two different ways of looking at life and politics, and unfortunately, that's really divided between the Eastern and Western worlds, roughly speaking, or what we call the first world and the mm -hmm. third world, which are euphemisms for the ideological differences between them. Um, we tend to look at the differences in economic terms because that's the result of the ideology. We don't look to the cause. Mm -hmm. We look to the result and we go, oh, well, they're poor, therefore they're third world. We don't think that the reason they're poor economically is because they have poor ideas. They're, you know, well, killing people is not a good way to start. Let's <laughs> start right there. But in terms of, um, you know, the U.S. role and what they're going to do today, do now, I'm terrified about the concept of pulling out on June 30th. That defeats everything they've done. But of course, they're just handing over power on June 30th. The army and their pre American presence will remain there. And I remember the first week of the war, I predicted they'd be there for a hundred years. I wonder how long they will stay, given the pressures that are Jeff there. Jeff, let me ask you then. You, you look south of the border. You see this. I asked you the same question, basically, that Bob did. It appears now, if the trends remain in place, but it's a long time to the election, but it looks like George Bush is in trouble. How does that change if there's a major terrorist attack on the United States before the election? Well, that's a good question. I guess I guess partly it would depend again on uh, on George's response, and I think that where he's run into trouble this past year is that increasingly people who supported him going into the war are saying he's not doing it right. And I was reading this morning, uh, uh, I think it was in the National Post. Uh, Richard Pearl has now come out against the war, and uh, Richard Pearl was one of the biggest architects of going into the war Indeed, in the first yes. place, mm -hmm. and he's now said that it's it's gone on far too long. He said it's they've allowed it to become an occupation that they've they've squandered their moral capital there uh, and he's a you know if there was ever a cheerleader for them it would be him I would Absolutely. think. He wrote um, one of the definitive texts on 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 using America's war making uh, uh, prowess to defeat terrorism. Yeah so I think that uh, that a, a big problem will be again for George you know uh, it's not so much what happens it's more what he does about it and, it, and it's like with the Abu Ghraib uh, stuff that we saw all kinds of editorials in New York Times Washington Post uh, about uh, well he can still pull it out of the fire if he does this and he does that he does the other thing and instead he came out in a press conference and essentially said everything's going wonderfully you know he, he backed uh, uh, Donald Rumsfeld to the hilt uh, I guess now uh, General Sanchez is leaving apparently but uh, they say on a regular rotation though yeah yeah so uh, so again I, I think that a problem he has is that there may be a lot of people who support his goals and support uh, the ideas behind it but are unhappy with the way it's being affected and I think that from my perspective what I haven't seen a lot of is the the Marshall Plan type of nation building and, and we say that there's some money going into there but uh, you know we've had constantly hear about trouble with uh, with the power still about food, about people essentially deciding that the local warlord is a better bet for their local government than the United States has been. If the states do leave, uh, turn over the authority, uh, there is a school of thought that says, Bob, they won't be there for 100 years, that they'll be out as fast as they can go and leave and leave the, the Iraqis to themselves. The Iraqis won't leave them alone. The Mideast won't leave them alone. They're going to come back. 
They're going to bomb another set of buildings. Well, the they Iraqis never bombed anybody. But, well, uh, the, the whole Mideast situation is extremely explosive. Yeah. One of the reasons that we're hearing so much hatred for the U.S. out of the country, and this was said by someone in Iraq, was because they, everyone knows that the U.S. is leaving. So it's, it pays to hate them, because if you don't hate them now, you're going to be seen as a U.S. supporter mm -hmm. when the U.S. leaves and all your other enemies crawl out of the woodwork like they will. Well, the scurrying little guys that are going to come out and take your head off. Saddam? Is Saddam going to scurry out of the woodwork, do you think? Well, they're delivering him back to, to, to his native land for a supposed trial, which I think is a disastrous step to take. But. Well, I, I guess to me the model is Afghanistan and what's happened there, that it, essentially it appears the United States has pulled out of Afghanistan. You know, there are some um, troops still in Kabul. There are Canadians there as well. But uh, as far as the, most of the country, I gather, essentially there's no law for most of it. It's essentially reverted to warlordism. And I don't think there's any suggestion the United States is coming back to fix that up. Uh, so I think that's a bit of a model. If anything, Afghanistan, of course, is where they think that Osama is, and, and they've essentially abandoned that. Uh, so I, I don't think it bodes well for a long-term uh, support of Iraq. Uh, the other thing that they seem to have found is that it's not as lucrative as, as once they had thought. They thought it was going to be self-sustaining through oil revenue. Now oil prices are going up. You know, maybe at some level it will become that, but uh, they seem to have found an infrastructure that's just not not economic. They, they can't make money in Iraq anytime soon. Uh, so it's going to be extremely expensive. You look at how much the, the U.S. deficit has gone up uh, in the last uh, couple of years, you know, that their annual deficit is now more than Canada is national debt. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just staggering. And you just wonder how long can even the biggest country in the world keep it up? If we look at uh, some comparisons between the campaign here and the campaign there, here we're told healthcare is the big issue. In the United States, although healthcare is an important issue, it doesn't have the same resonance as it does here. But the economy is big. Um, the American economy is not stumbling by any stretch of the imagination. It's still very vibrant and strong. But the stock market is wobbling a little. Uh, there's still concerns every time some, there's bad news out of Iraq, it wobbles again. Um, ultimately, it has been said that people people vote based on fear. And that when they get into that voters booth, except for the hardcore voters, that it's going to be which fear predominates. The fear of the other candidate, the sure. fear of losing That's the leader you, the leader you have. and a fear-based vote. Yeah. So, or even voting for your guy you're, because you're, you're afraid that if he doesn't stay in there, the world's going to come crashing down. Uh, do, you, do you see any difference in the American uh, in this election than what we can expect in Canada? I mean, is, is the fear factor going to be any less there than it's going to be here? I, I see no difference between U.S. politics and Canadian politics. I always find it remarkable when Paul Martin would say something as silly as, we don't want to be Canadians, we're not like the Americans. Yeah, well, we are. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, they have all the same social programs we have. They have all the same problems. They're just a little bit behind us down the road. Their taxes aren't quite at 52% yet. They're at 38 or 39, mm -hmm. but they're coming there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing all the same things Canada's doing. So, uh, and, you know, whenever I go to the States, and I've spoken publicly there, it's the exact same issues. You, you could just take the names and places and put them into the exact same issues. They're arguing about gay marriage. We're arguing about gay marriage. They're arguing about economic issues, you know, same as we are. It's, just, it's all the same thing. I hate to say it, though, but there's something about wars that are, that are, that are uh, at a higher volume, if you like. And, and oh. uh, in fact, when, when Iraq started heating up, that's when I started uh, getting serious about reading newspapers. I, you know, I read half a dozen newspapers on the Internet every day. I watch mm -hmm. The Daily Show. Uh, you know, oh, there's an excellent story. 
source of news. <laughs> exactly. It's a comedy show. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, people over and over are saying that, that it's the main source of news for, for, yeah. for people in their 20s. Hey, how, I like how, the how Daily Show, even, <laughs> though, even though it's sort of lefty. Yeah. And I like Dennis Miller's show on CNBC, too. Yes. I think you get a really nice balance there. And yeah. they, don't, they didn't put them on at the same time. Somebody figured it out. Well, yeah. it reminds me of, you know, they said in the feudal times, the only one who could speak the truth was the fool. Yes. You know, that we seem to have that come back. But, but again, there's something, <laughs> That's interesting. there's something fascinating about, about all of that stuff. And again, they play at, at a high level at loud volume. Uh, and uh, we talk about fear. It's like, well, you know, we, we fear healthcare in Canada, but that's a lot different than uh, than having had uh, 800 people, uh, soldiers killed in the last year and 8,000 wounded. Like they were living it in the in the big league there. Uh, it's a much different thing. I, uh, having said that, I think, though, that what it's going to come down to is who's the smarter guy to get us out of the mess. Okay, we're going to pause for a moment. If you'd like to join our discussions today with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer on Left, Right, and Center, you're more than welcome to do so. 643-1290 is the telephone number. Star 1290 on the Rogers Wireless. and right and center all together here today. Left, right and center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. We've been talking about uh, the situation south of the border, the American election. The the uh, ca- Canadian politicians often define themselves, particularly at the federal level, by what they are not. But specifically, I am not an American. You know, and this has been one of Paul Martin's mantras and one of the things he's attacked Stephen Harper for. What do the American leaders do? We, we, they don't seem to. Is it simply because they are the big dog that you, you never hear them saying, well, we're not, we're not Canadians here. We don't want to be like Canadians. Or they do sometimes say we don't want to be like the French. Who was it? Uh, remember well, Dan Quayle that time when he, he did that little talk? And it was, it was the vice presidential candidate for the Republicans or the Democrats. But anyway, uh, Quayle had said, well, you know, uh, I'm young. Yes, it's true. But uh, you have to remember that uh, there was another president who was young, John F. Kennedy. And this other guy had been a good friend of Kennedy's. And he did that long thing about, uh, well... Let me tell you, yes, I knew John. I knew Kennedy, John Kennedy, uh, and you're no John Kennedy. Yes. <laughs> so we know who he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good question as far as how they define themselves, because of course they spend extraordinary amounts of of thought and money on image management, and uh, you know everything down to their to their cufflinks is carefully screened by experts. Uh, and again, they're they're trying to define, but not define. Today, I was reading in one of the papers about how well they think Kerry's going to come out now and start talking about the war. That uh, what he had been doing was uh, staying out of the way of Bush because Bush was fumbling and that you normally say the way that Kerry had been talking about gas prices, but now they're, all their expert prognosticators are saying, oh, switch over to the war now. But but again, uh, with an image that's so carefully managed, you're right, how, how do you distinguish yourself in a way that, that resonates with people? To me, they look pretty similar. Their, their issues are pretty similar. Zero impact yeah. upon me. Zero. Yeah. Stands for nothing, don't know what he's talking about, talks in circles, doesn't really have an agenda. Boy, sounds like uh, a typical Canadian politician. Well, well that's true. Uh, particularly the, uh, the liberal persuasion of late. But, uh, well, if Howard Dean was there, it'd be a lot more interesting. Uh, you know, he just has no identity. I can't see him even having a chance this election. Bush is going to walk away with it mm-hmm. one well, way or the other. But, People aren't in a big hurry to change the course on the war. You don't do that in mid, mid-stage. Bill Davis know? talked about bland is good. Right. Sometimes people need a rest. You know that if they think that that uh, that George has walked in a bit like a bull in a china shop in Iraq and not. Uh, but do you think Kerry's? I don't see Kerry as bland. I see Kerry as bizarre. I think I think yeah. he's a very strange candidate. When you you look at his he's record, he's almost like and, a fringe candidate. Well, in many ways, he is. Well, he, but he's been a senator forever. Like he's a pretty uh, experienced guy, uh, and he's not certainly. But you contrast you contrast him just as an example. Uh, you contrast John Kerry with, with former Senator Bob Kerry. 
you know, and I think that, I don't know if maybe you guys aren't familiar with him, but he's a, he, he was involved in the, uh, in the, um, 9-11 commission and so on. A very interesting guy. And I, I've watched him over the years and, and, you know, here's a guy, Vietnam vet, all those good things. Boy, the lights are on in everybody's home with that guy, even though I disagree with him a lot of time. I watch Kerry, and I'm not convinced that there may be a few lights on here and there, but, yeah. you know, the, the attic's definitely not lit up. And that and that troubles me a little. The guy's running for the president of the United States um, that, that doesn't seem to be able to focus on well, what's really going on. that's a signal to me. When a, when a party selects a very mediocre candidate, that means they already know they're going to lose. Well, they don't, don't want to put that. a star candidate. Well, no, no, that's Rush Limbaugh's well, theory. Well, yeah. they don't. They don't want. I, I hadn't heard it, but it makes a lot of sense to me because you well, don't want to sacrifice your top talent well, to with, a with lost some people. The thinking is that you got to think long term. This is George's last run, and there'll have to be a new Republican in uh, in uh, sort of. Oh wait, so yeah. and uh, that that's going to be Hillary's turn. But that's uh, some people's well, uh, Machiavellian theory. That's as a Republican. No, no, as oh, a Democrat, oh, she'll be the first woman president. That's but I that, said that. Yeah, oh, I was just going to say that uh, that uh, it's interesting you mentioned the nine eleven commission. I have a friend who's a professor who who follows this stuff, and he was watching them recently, and he said, you know, that the difference in the in the intellectual. Uh, elevation there compared to the Canadian uh, scandal uh, hearings that were going on. He said the Americans are just so much better prepared. They're so much more articulate. They know how to cross-examine and force you to answer yes or no. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that about uh, courts in the United States years ago, that they actually had judge schools. They sent their judges to to write clear decisions. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of things they do very well. And I, and I think politics is one. Although, having said that, even as I follow it, I still don't understand a lot of the minutiae of it, the intricacies in electoral colleges and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But uh, they do have these high-level debates uh, within Congress and and the Senate. And, and bear in mind that at this point, both of those are Republican as well. Uh, so any of those things could change. And and if any of them change, it could throw a spanner in a fair bit of the works. I want to just come back to what you said about Hillary Clinton, because this is Limbaugh's pet theory, is that Kerry is a sacrificial lamb, that Bill and Hillary still run the Democratic Party. And that uh, there's some kind of a pact deal with the devil they've made with each other in spite of the fact that, uh, well, we don't know what kind of shape their marriage is in, but they're still supposedly married. And that there's some kind of a deal that uh, Hillary is the candidate in 08 when George is fading and they have to bring up, you know, George's reinforcement, whoever that may be. Uh, certainly it's not going to be Cheney. He's not going to run for president. No. So the, the Republicans are going to have to find somebody new to go up against. By, by then, all, all the cachet, all the Democratic cachet, the first woman, the former first lady of the United States, uh, one of the pillars of the Democratic Party, and blah, 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 blah. Now, Rush is great for these conspiracies, but this one makes a certain amount of sense to me. It does explain a little better um, why Kerry's there? Not that Kerry knowingly went into this, but you look at some of the things that happened along the way and some of the faux pas that his people committed and Democratic National Committee, some of the things, influences they had that maybe went a little askew. It's, it's not really hard to look at what, what no. Limbaugh is saying. So, you know, well, that makes a certain amount of sense. Well, uh, she, would, she didn't want to take him on in 04 because, because at the point where they had to start the campaign, he looked like he was going to be pretty solid. So you don't want to take a chance on that. In 08, you know, no matter what, how great a president he's been, you're not running against him again. Well, and they say, you know, it's clear that Kerry is, is not, he's not going to win because he's, he's amazing. He's going to win because Bush falls apart. You know, you're right. And, uh, and uh, as far as strategizing in the longer term, you look, I think the Clintons had supported uh, Wesley Clark mm -hmm. as their candidate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as they said, a stocking horse to keep, uh, to keep the things upset. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that they uh, let Howard Dean go for a while uh, to, to sort of, um, Add some volume again to to pump things up, but uh, but uh, uh, John Kerry is a he's a boring guy. Uh, who, who you're right, he, he's he's kind of the the least 
I would just say, least offensive to the most people type candidate. And you don't win elections because you bring in someone like that. You only can win them if the other side falls apart. Okay, we've got about four minutes left to sh shift uh, north of the border here. What do you make of the first three or four days of, of the candidates? Uh, Bob, how's uh, Jack Layton doing? Uh, Jack's doing good. Um, uh, you know, th was it last week or the week before you asked me how I felt about uh, the party leaders? Mm -hmm. And I had a fairly equal feeling towards all of them. Mm -hmm. I think that after the first three or four days of the election, I have now taken Paul Martin off the list. Mm -hmm. um, he has proven himself to be shallow, um, very superficial, and defines himself as a nationalist socialist, the way he talks about the Americans. You know, he's like, quote, we are, we are different than the U.S. We want to be different than the U.S. We are Canadian. That means nothing. Mm -hmm. That still means you can't get a, get a doctor, you know? And then he says the conservatives should be ashamed for dropping the word progressive from their name. I mean, what kind of superficial nonsense is that? Jeff, what, uh, what do you make of Jack? How's Jack done? Well, I think he's doing fine, and uh, I just hope he gets gets in, because uh, I think he's got a, a heck of a race going with Dennis Mills in Toronto, and it's too bad, because apparently they're friends, they have been forever, they're both very capable. Uh, Mills was apparently voted the uh, the top constituency MP this year by the Hill Times, uh, and only one can win, uh, but I, I think that Jack is the NDP's best chance to revitalize that party and be a conscience of the nation. What about Paul Martin, how's he doing? Uh, I, well, for, aside from the fact that I think that they're just crazy to have called an election now, personally, I would have waited uh, um, farther in. Um, I think that it's the election is his to lose. He's the one in the hot seat, uh, so he's the one who's got to dance. How's he uh, responding? Crazy. As far as you dancing, uh, okay? No, I don't. Well. I'm not a huge fan of Paul Martin to start with because I'm a lefty liberal and I've always seen him as the leader of the right wing of the party. So uh, I don't know. I, I've heard him speak many times and he's a smart guy and uh, I think he's a capable guy. He doesn't light my fire, but I think having said that, I'm not a mainstream Canadian. I think he may be the guy that people park the vote with. I think Stephen Harper's going to have a ball this election. Mm -hmm. You know, he, is, he has pulled this out of nowhere uh, single-handedly. He and, didn't have uh, to do it. Paul Martin's doing all his work for him. Well, I know, Those ads that they're running against the Conservatives sell me on the people. Well, Funny the number of people who said that. I cannot believe they're doing that. Do they yeah. not realize that Canadians agree with all those things? Yeah. Hey, the secret of uh, secret of life is the same as comedy. Two, three. Timing. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you both today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Uh, we can always count on superb timing from our guests, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer.